0: Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're coming to you live from Tasmania. Right across Australia, each weekday at 9 a.m., you can hear what the Bible says about past, current, and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here, and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host. Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us, as we do every Thursday, from Launceston, and he's continuing his series, The Teachings of Jesus. Welcome, David. Thank you, Jason, and welcome back. Welcome back from your break. Thank you. Uh, it was a break, but it was a very busy break, so I'm sort of recovering from the break now. <laughs> Getting back into it, so lots of travelling. Yeah, for sure. Um, David, uh, I haven't actually been doing your program recently because I think uh, David Leo has been joining you for a lot of these So, um, but I know that you've been sharing a psalm uh, each time uh, that you start off your program so what have you got for us today? Yeah,
1: thanks, Jason. I've got a psalm, uh, psalm number 42. Now, this is the first part of the internal book two of psalms. So this is where the first book of psalms or the first section of psalms is or or are mostly written, although Psalms are mostly written by King David or David when he was younger. But from 42 on, the second section or the second book is called of Psalms uh, starts to introduce other authors. Mm. And this author for this one is the sons of Korah or are the sons of Korah who write this. Now, that's really, really interesting. We'll get to that in a moment. But let me read the Psalm for you. Psalm 42. And I'm reading from the King James, the New King James. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? House of uh, hope in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar, and... Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All the waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. It's a fascinating psalm. Mm. It really is because when you see that this is written by the sons of Korah, that name might be familiar to some people. Because while the Israelites are in the desert wandering around for the 40 years, the priests, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, rebel against God as his, as for Moses and Aaron as his spokespersons. And they, and they want to be part of this as well. They said, why can't God speak through all of us? Why is he just speaking through you, Aaron and Moses? So, because of this, Cora, uh, Dathan, and Abiram, and their immediate families were destroyed. Not not all of their descendants, but their immediate families. So you know, like Cora's wife and kids, and Dathan's wife and kids, and Abiram's wife and kids, and exact you know who were in that tent or in that uh, particular dwelling, if you like. So, when you read the psalms written by the sons of Korah, you can remember this background, and perhaps you can understand a little bit more of their mindset about their faithfulness to god so they they um they've got to live with this embarrassment if you like this maybe even harassment as you read this psalm it seems like there's some harassment of these people you know um, you know maybe they're looking at them and saying oh you know you remember your your father or your grandfather or you know whoever it was um, that, that was destroyed by God because they were disobedient. Why are we listening to you? You know, there might have been all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And it seems that the sons of Korah have had to learn a deep and fulfilling connection with God, which we see in those opening verses, you know, like my, my heart longs, my soul longs for you, God, like something, like an animal or somebody thirsting for water. And it seems they've actually got this deep and fulfilling connection with God. And and they long to be with God and flourish in his presence. Yeah, look, some of, when we think of the lost and found that we've been talking about in in the teachings of Jesus, some of their family were lost. You know, the ground opened up and down they went. Um, Some of them were lost. But also, many of them here we see are found. And I think that's fascinating. So I feel this psalm is actually a good lead-in for today's program, entitled The Wedding Feast, because it speaks about people who seem to have the wrong opinion about God and others who are keenly waiting for his feast, which we'll see shortly.
0: It's um, it's an interesting psalm, this one, isn't it? Because uh, mm-hmm. they they seem like they're really grappling with a bit of challenge Stuff. in their life. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But the, the interesting thing that we can learn from that is that uh, they call out to God during that time and uh, that obviously helps them through. Yes, yes. A great psalm. So, so David, um, as I said, I haven't been uh, involved with all of your programs that you've done over the past, uh, what are we, six or seven weeks that you've been doing this series. Yeah. Uh, would you like to give us a bit of a recap before we go on?
1: Yes, for sure. So we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus uh, through these different parables that we've been looking at. The first week we looked at the lost coin. That was something that was lost inside the house, didn't even know it was lost. Then we looked at the lost sheep, and and in that one we saw that God even cares for those who are unintentionally lost along the way. You know, they just stuck in the briars or, you know, they, they fall down a, a, a ravine or something. You know, something in life takes them away from God unintentionally, and God loves them. And then the third week we looked at the lost son, and we saw there were two sons that were lost, Both sons were lost in some way, it appears. One was lost in jealousy. The other one was lost. I don't want anything to do with my father. He's the one that came back. And we see in the story that he came back. And and that's, you know, there's this wonderful rejoicing that he came back and wanted to be included in the family again. And yet the other son, we're left wondering. We're left wondering, I don't know, did he get saved or not? And then we looked at the harvest, where we saw two groups of people, some that were purposely, um, they were purposely lost, if you like. They were corrupted and they were growing up with those who were good. And God didn't want us to judge and sort them out. He said, that's my job, I'll do it later. And then last week we looked at the rich man and Lazarus where Jesus gets really direct with the leaders and he addresses their self-righteous attitudes and neglect of God's law in favour of our own. So that's where we've been, in this lost and found.
0: Mm. Well, of course, you can listen to all of these uh, episodes under the series, uh, The Teachings of Jesus, Lost and Found, on the Faith FM website. Go there, (coughs) faithfm.com.au. Excuse me. Um, Or, of course, you can use our app. The Faith FM Australia app, which you can download from the App Store. So we'd encourage you to do that if you've missed out on any series. And uh, you know, David, I I should uh, do that myself to catch up on the ones <laughs> that I didn't listen to. So I uh, I should practice what I preach. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> and go yes. and listen to the past episodes. I certainly do listen to some of them, mm. and uh, but I haven't caught up on all of them. So yeah, yeah. Uh, David, you've got uh, a bit of a an illustration to open our our program up today.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have, Uh, and uh, and a question as well. So we're going to look at the wedding feast. Now, this is a really interesting parable or teaching Jesus tells, and he talks about someone who's not dressed properly and gets chucked out of a wedding feast. But before we look at that, what I want to ask is, have you ever been asked to leave a meeting a group a meal or a sporting event or some other event because you did something that was against the rules and if so what was the rule that you broke and looking back do you think it was fair um, i haven't got time to share all of my one but i'll just i'll just share really really briefly because what comes to mind for me is my air force graduation and it was called the passing out parade and i was thinking about it yesterday and it was Often because someone passed out on the parade, but that wasn't the reason it's called the passing out parade. It was passing out from your apprenticeship and, you know, graduating, moving on. But, uh, you had to be, you had to be really, uh, you had to, to be dressed right, you had to have practiced right, march right, all the rest. There was a fellow who, who just couldn't get it. Mm. So they put him on the side of the parade ground and he was what they call a tree marker. There was a number of them. If someone passed out, they came and took their place or helped them. So uh, I thought that was really interesting because there's a connection to this story that we're going to talk about today about somebody not being dressed right, but we'll look at that soon.
0: Well, our question today, we'd love to hear from you, and we have, we have already heard from Joanna from Launceston. She's just asked a question as to what the passages were that we're studying because she missed the very first bit of our program, so I, I did share with her uh, that we've been looking at Psalm 42, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 22 shortly. So um, get your Bibles ready if uh, if you've got one handy. So, But our question for you today is, have you ever been asked to leave a meeting, a group, a meal, or a sporting event, or some other event, because you did something that was against the rules? And if so... What was the rule that you broke? And looking back now, do you think it was a fair? That's a bit of a long question, David, but uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, our listeners will be able to answer that. 0488 um, 880891. That's the number to text us in on. Share us, uh, share with us uh, a time where perhaps you've been um, uh, asked to leave um, because you broke the rules and, uh, you know, maybe it was a game or something that you've been playing. We'd love to hear from you. Text us in on 488 This first song today is called I Will Rise by Tori Harper.
2: There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail There's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well. is overwhelmed. The victory.
0: The Encounters on Faith of M, and we are speaking with David Maxwell this morning on the topic of the wedding feast, and we haven't uh, got into that story yet, but we will mm. shortly. This is on the series, uh, The Teachings of Jesus, Lost and Found. Now, uh, we asked you a question before the break. Have you ever been asked to leave a meeting, a group, a meal, a sporting event, or some other event because you did something that was against the rules? If so, what was the rule that you broke? And looking back, did you think it was fair? We'd love to hear from you today. It's a bit of a long question, but it's Mm. a a, a simple question. So uh, do text us in, share us uh, your experience, 488 We'd love to hear from you today. Now, uh, David, we mentioned the fact that we're going to be looking at the wedding feast and uh, this is a, I guess it's a parable of Jesus, isn't it? And mm. um, and somebody got thrown out because they mm. weren't uh, following the rules. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's let's get into this, and we'll dive right in, mm-hmm. hey? Yeah. So t-
1: today we're going to look at this teaching from Jesus, from firstly from a first century perspective, as we've been doing in the last uh, five weeks. Then we're going to apply what we've learned to, to ourselves today, and I hope that this has been instructional for you as we've been doing this because this is a good way to, well, I've certainly found it's a good way to understand what the Bible is actually saying about something. What was Jesus saying to his listeners first? When we understand that context, we can then understand better what he's saying in the form of a parable, certainly. Um, you know, we talk about uh, sowing and reaping. We think about a harvester, you know, someone in a big truck. And, and that's not how it was in Jesus' day. Um, so it, it, it's often very helpful to see it in their light first. Mm. But before we get started, I'm going to pray for our listeners again. And then if you don't mind... Um, uh, Jason, good, so good to have you back. I'd like you to read Matthew 22. We'll look at that in a moment, just a passage of that. Sure. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word today, and we ask especially that you will speak to our listeners as we read and share your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew 22, 1-14, and New Living Translation today. Thank this you. This
0: is one of my favourite ones to read from because I find mm. it easy to read. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, Here we go. Jesus also told them other parables. He said that the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them. The feast has been prepared, the bulls and fattened calf, uh, cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messages and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street, sorry, go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. "Friend," he asked, "how is it that you are here without wedding clothes?" But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. Thanks, Jason.
1: Now, that's, there's a lot we could dig into about that mm. parable, but we're just going to look at a small portion of it today. Dress standards. Now, that's that's something that is held upheld in many many places today, and I can remember I went to New Zealand with a group of other uh, pastors, evangelists, and we had a day off, so we decided we'd go and have a game of golf together. Now. In our group, uh, we had fairly casual casual wear. And so when we went to the golf course, they said, sorry, you can't play today because you don't have a collared shirt. Now, what difference does a collared shirt make to playing a game of golf? But it was a standard. Mm. They had this standard. And so we had to wait until – uh, whoever didn't have a collar went back to the accommodation, put their collared shirts on, which is really our presentation shirts, um, put the shirts back on, and, uh, and and come back and play a game of golf together. So whether you think it's right or not, they were the rules. Mm. And you couldn't play unless you had the right uh, dress standard. So Jesus tells this parable about someone who didn't have the right attire for an event. And although it seems hard to understand, when you look at why the garment was so important, it actually helps us to better understand um, what Jesus was talking about. And we'll look at this as we unpack the teaching today. So first and foremost... I feel it's important to realize when Jesus tells the parable or the teaching. So it's in the final week of his earthly ministry. So, you know, he's been quite gentle leading up to this week to those who resist him. But now he's getting quite direct. And it's the final week of his earthly ministry. And it's on the Monday or the day after he enters Jerusalem. We call that Palm Sunday. You can see that in Matthew 21. On that Sunday, he also clear, clean, cleanses the temple. Um, some say this is the second cleansing, and, and I believe it's, it's correct. So he cleanses the temple. He raises the ear of the scribes and Pharisees. Um, and, and the day that Jesus is telling this parable – the religious leaders choose the sacrificial lamb. That's important too, for Passover this is. Um, and when I say choose the sacrificial lamb, I'm using that inverted commas because he's speaking about Jesus. Um, and you can read that in Matthew 26 and John 11 where they, they say we're going to have to kill this man and they look for ways to, to get rid of him. So they choose the lamb. They choose Jesus as the sacrificial lamb for Passover. So it's the 10th of Nisan, this final week of Jesus' ministry. Early on in the day, Jesus is becoming more direct and he's addressing the leader's resistance to the things of God. He shares his teaching with them about who's going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Now, uh, only Matthew uses that phrase, kingdom of heaven, um, and he uses two phrases, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Whenever he's talking about, you know, the kingdom of God within us, Jesus coming in, changing our life, he says kingdom of God. When he's talking about the kingdom up in heaven, he uses the phrase kingdom of heaven or literally it's kingdom of the heavens. So that helps us to understand. So Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven as being like a king, preparing a wedding feast for his son. And the king invites all the people he wants to be there, uh, but those he first invites don't want to attend. He says they hear the invitation, they ignore it, they go on the business, go on with their normal day and their normal life. So he sends more messengers and they treat them really badly and kill them.
0: So, um, you know, Jesus here was really addressing these religious leaders and uh, he was really getting at the point where they hadn't really accepted his invitation, and mm, yeah, uh, and you yeah. know they were ultimately planning to kill him, and mm. beforehand they'd planned uh, to kill the prophets.
1: They'd they'd gotten rid of them. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and we'll dig more into that after the break. But but uh, what actually happens to those who do attend this? This um, feast, if you like, in the parable, the king comes and destroys the murderers and instead invites many, many others. And the parable goes on to the wedding feast itself and and it says that uh, I think this is really interesting because it says that all those who did want to come were there. Some were considered bad and others were good. Now we would expect if this is talking about something in heaven Mm. only the good are Mm. there. Mm. But clearly... The good and the bad are there. And so this is fascinating. We'll dig into this a little bit more as we go through today. Um, how can the bad be there? That was something we were talking about before we started today. It,
0: it challenges, uh, the, uh, I guess, the normal way of thinking, isn't it, that we have to be good to get into heaven, and uh, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, um, to that thinking, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. And clearly they were all wearing a garment, yes. uh, a
0: particular garment that was given to them except one person. Mm. <laughs> so there was a requirement, but yes. uh, the the main requirement was to wear this robe that was... And, and in those days, David, if if, if I'm right, they, that mm. robe was actually provided to them. It wasn't Correct. their own. They didn't have to go and buy a garment. It was actually no, given to them. that's right.
1: Yes, yes, that's correct. That's correct. Mm. And the one who didn't have the right garment on on, was tossed out of the wedding feast and forever separated from the king. Mm. So
0: we're going to dig more into that after the break. We will, definitely. Now, remember our question today. We'd love to hear from you. Have you ever been asked to leave a meeting, a group, a meal, or a sporting event or some other event because you did something that was against the rules? If so, what was the rule that you broke? And looking back now, do you think it was fair? We would love to hear from you today. So do text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero. 891. And of course, remember later in the program, we've got our book offer coming up. It's today. It's called The Journey of Joy. It's actually a study guide and it's uh, dealing with healthy emotions and holy hearts. So
3: mm.
0: we'll give you more information about that and the code to claim that later in the program. So stay tuned. But right now, this is called The To the Table by Lauren Day.
4: of love that's calling, there's a chair that waits for you, and a friend who understands everything you're going through. You keep standing at a distance in the shadow of your shade. There's a light of hope that's shining. Won't you come and take your place and bring it all to the table? nothing He ain't seen before. All your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness. There's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. Through the cross, you've been forgiven, you're accepted as you are, and bring it all to the table. There's nothing All your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness There's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table Any He calls, bring it all to the table
0: This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're continuing on our program today titled The Wedding Feast with David Maxwell. This is on the series The Teaching of Jesus and Lost and Found. This is our last program in this series. So next week we're going to be starting something new. Now, uh, David, before the break uh, we were talking about this king. We read the parable of a king who uh, called people to a wedding feast and uh, people ignored him. They didn't come. Some came. Eventually he went out to the streets and called everyone and many came. But there was one particular person who was there. He turned up and he wasn't wearing the robe that was uh, meant to be worn for the wedding. And I guess the question is, how did he get into the wedding (laughs) without the robe when that was a requirement to be there? And uh, what what was Jesus really talking about? What did that mean? For those who were listening at the time, what do you think that meant?
1: Yeah, look, that's a really great question because if we jump to application, we're thinking today – Oh, this is talking about jesus uh, the the banquet in heaven. How did someone get in heaven when we understand the chronology of last day events? How did someone get there who 's not supposed to be there? And so when we look at teachings like this, parables, Jesus is addressing uh, something in a way they understand rather than actually outlining the chronology of events that are actually going to happen in history. Mm. So as I intimated before the break, this parable uh, or teaching centres around the garment, and we're going to dig into that a little bit too. Um, firstly, who was Jesus speaking to? So as I mentioned before the break, Jesus is addressing the religious leaders now quite directly in this last week of his ministry. And, and that's important to understand because as he's addressing them, he's connecting them to those in the past who've killed God's prophets. And I'm sure they don't miss this application. You know, I'm sure in this last week as he's addressing quite directly some of their behaviours, you know, in, in a couple of places, you see that Jesus, that these, these leaders, the Bible says these leaders say, and they knew that Jesus spoke this parable against them. So, you know, they weren't stupid people. Mm. They understood that mm. Jesus was talking to them, even if they didn't always understood everything that he actually meant.
3: Mm.
1: But nevertheless, they continue to resist the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus continues to speak more directly to try and get through to them. So the first half of the parable is quite clear. God is the, God the Father is the King and his Son is Jesus. The messengers that the King sends out are the prophets of old. That's what Jesus is talking about. But also at this point, they are the prophets of old include John the Baptist. Now, he wasn't being listened to, um, and he wasn't listened to by a lot of people, but rather he was killed. The religious leaders... The forefathers of the religious leaders were responsible for killing all the Old Testament prophets, most of the Old Testament prophets, but Herod was responsible for killing John the Baptist, and he had a Jewish background. He had a Jewish background. He understood the Jewish nation. Now, whether he was a Jew or not, I'm not 100% sure, but he did understand the Jewish people, and you know he helped build the temple or renovate the temple, if you like, for them. So even those who weren't killed, the old prophets, um, weren't listened to on the whole. So when you think of John the Baptist, Herod killed him, but you know, the religious leaders didn't really listen to what he had to say either. So it's evident, it's evident in those who God wanted to come to the wedding they ignored the invitation. So God sent this invitation to the Jewish people. He wanted this special uh, nation to represent him, and he wanted them to you know, bring other people, but they didn't want to come. Mm-hmm. In the parable of the city that was burned up and destroyed was not Jesus second coming the the city that was burned up and destroyed was was Jerusalem they that's the city of the people who were invited and said no we don't want we're going to get rid of the the messengers and this happens in AD 70 so that was Really the first destruction, the biggest destruction, and finally in AD 135 in the Bar, Bar Kokhba re- um, rebellion, all of the Jews are driven out of Jerusalem and they're all around the world today. But there are still some there. <clears throat> so after Jesus goes back to heaven, the gospel goes out to all. That's what's talking about. You know, The king says, right, invite everyone, good and bad, bring them into the wedding feast. And so the call is it goes out, um, you know from a d thirty four onwards when the Jews completely reject the gospel, and everyone is then invited. We see that Jesus refers to this just a few chapters later, on the Thursday evening. Um, of that same week. Thursday evening in Matthew 26 uh, and verse 29. Let me read that. 26 and verse 29 and it says, um, but I say to you I will not drink of this the fruit, this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Jesus starts referring to this wedding feast if you like and he says I'm not going to have any more of this grape juice till I have it together with you in heaven in this great feast. Then we come to the troubling part, the man without the proper garment. As I said before, this, this doesn't seem chronologically correct, but rather it's a lesson taught to them about having the right garment for the wedding feast to come. So wearing a king-approved garment at a wedding feast in 1st century Palestine, as you said earlier, Jason, it actually showed respect to the king. Um, or the father or the groom of the ceremony, you know, the father of the groom or the person who invited you to the wedding feast, yeah. if you didn't wear the right garment, it showed disrespect. It showed you didn't really regard that person that, uh, that invited you. So when you look at this first century application, you see that Jesus is saying there's this king who has invited you And you have rejected his garment. You don't want to wear the garment that he's giving you to wear to the wedding feast. Very important. Mm. In this special heavenly wedding feast, those who will not be accepted will be those who don't respect the king or his son. And, And that's significant because speaking to this very, very point, uh, Paul later draws the parallel of putting on the right garment and he writes to both the Roman and Galatian Christians and he tells them to put on Christ. I want to read that. Yeah, I think we've got time, yes. So in Romans chapter 11, I'm going to have to flick to that, Romans chapter 11 and verse 14, let me read that for you from the New King James. It said, "If ah, oh, that's not the right verse. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. That's not the right verse. So I think it's supposed to be seven, um, verse fourteen. Let me have a look at that. Um, and that's not right either. Okay, never mind. So in Galatians three twenty-seven, he tells them
0: to put on Christ. Romans and thirteen eleven says something 13, about putting. 11. But, ah, there uh, we go. Uh, maybe that's it. Thirteen, Let me fourteen have a look. says put, eight, on 14.
1: put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, that's the one. Oh, I hate it when I write the wrong one down. Don't double check it. I wasn't going to look this one up, but anyway, <laughs> someone would have caught me out and said you had the wrong verse, right? So, verse fourteen it says, "Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil its lusts." So, putting on the right garment, in the first century, Jesus is saying, "Put on Christ." Mm you know um jesus is telling them the only garment that will be accepted in heaven is his righteousness mm.
0: so it, yeah, it reiterates on. that in revelation as well it talks about wearing the robes and uh, those who uh, you know wear the robes um are those who are found in the kingdom in Revelation, yes. I can't remember the exact verse, but it, it's uh, mentioned a number of times in Revelation. In
1: chapter 14, mm. yeah, yeah. We'll mention that a little bit later as well. Mm. And Isaiah sixty-four-six reiterates why this is important. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Mm. So if all our righteousness is like filthy rags, that means that we need Christ's righteousness. Mm. And without it, We can't be perfect. It's not our own robes, but it's his robe. (laughs) His robes. He Mm. gives it to us Mm. and we put it on. Mm. And that's really important because it talks about a real issue in the Christian faith where we think our righteousness will get us to heaven. It doesn't. Mm. It's certainly something you want to try
0: and do, be righteous, but it doesn't get us to heaven. No. Absolutely. And uh, I think that requires a certain level of humility to accept that that we can't do it on our own, that we we must uh, accept the work of Christ and his His sacrifice and his righteousness.
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Well, uh, we're going to go to another break, and uh, we said we'd talk a little bit more about our book offer today. It's called The Journey of Joy, and it's a study guide. It's titled Healthy Emotions and Holy Hearts by Carla Goba or Gober. The Journey of Joy Study Guide is the detailed support book for a small group or individual study. So it's definitely something worthwhile getting a hold of if you're interested in going through a detailed study here. So we'd encourage you to stay tuned, and after the break, we'll give you the code for this book. Right now, this is All You'll Ever Need by Andrew Peterson.
5: blood of Jesus, it is like the widow's one It's enough to pay the price to set you free. It can fill up every jar and every heart that ever beat. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. It is like the leper's river Running humble with a power you cannot see Seven times go under Let the water wash you clean Only go down to the Jordan and believe. Only go down in the Jordan Like Elijah's fire Falling on the altar Of your faith All the wisdom Of the world Could never conjure up a spark No power of hell Could ever quench this flame No power of hell Could ever touch this
0: Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM and we're finishing up our program today with David Maxwell. We've been talking about the wedding feast and this is the last in our series, uh, The Teachings of Jesus Lost and Found. So next week we'll have something new, a uh, new topic and a new series for you. Before the break we talked about this uh, book offer today. It's called Journey of Joy Study Guide, Healthy Emotions and Holy Hearts by Carla Gober. And we've got five copies to give away today, so do text us in. This is the code for today. It's called FOUND6, Number six, no spaces. Text in FOUND, F-O-U-N-D, and the number six, no spaces. Text that in to 0488 880891 to claim your free book offer today. So, David, uh, before the break, you were talking about how Jesus was really teaching his hearers, the listeners in, in, of this parable that he was talking about, in the last week of his ministry, that they needed his righteousness to get to mm-hmm. heaven. And uh, it just makes me wonder why that's so confronting. For me, I find that easy to understand. But why do you think yeah. it was so confronting for many who were listening at the time?
1: Yeah, first century listeners, I want to read a verse to you that uh, Jesus talked about. Now, he comes and they they keep accusing him, well, they certainly do later on, uh, but very, very early in his ministry in that first documented sermon that he writes called the Sermon on the Mount. He he says, I don't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I don't come to destroy, but give them more meaning. He goes on to the chapter and he gives the, the laws more meaning. He says, nothing will pass away until it's finished, until it's finished, completed, fulfilled. That's what he means there. Then he goes on and he says, for I say to you that unless, this is verse 20 of chapter 5 of Matthew, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And they were so outwardly righteous. Mm. They had over 600 laws that outwardly they kept. Now, Jesus makes it clear in the rest of the chapter, they were breaking the spirit of the law because, yeah, they weren't killing, they were hating, they weren't committing adultery, but they were planning to get with another woman. And they were using the law to do it. So, you know, they were using the loopholes, if you like, uh, to follow the law. And Jesus was saying, "No, no, no! You have to follow the spirit of the law. And if you're going to do it by just your behaviour, you cannot do it." Mm. He says, "You know, you've got to be. You've got to keep more than six hundred laws. you are got to keep a whole bunch deeper than that." So, you know, double that, triple that. So, whatever. Um, you can't make it by your actions. That's what Jesus was saying. So, that's why this was confronting. He was saying that you needed the wedding garment given to you, not the one you brought yourself. Mm. That's mm. the key. Now, uh, there's there's appropriateness in in dress, as we've been talking about with our illustrations, and another place where it's a certain dress is appropriate. And I'm not sure I'm looking forward to this next year when I go to Papua New Guinea. Is that they expect you to wear pastors to wear a jacket and a tie? Now, in, in on the, the
3: heat,
1: <laughs> in that heat, yep. this is going to kill me. Coming mm. from Tasmania. Mm. But it's, it's appropriate and it's not right not to have it on. So they wear their cultural um, wrap underneath, right, and thongs or, or you know, flip-flops yep. on their feet uh, to church, but they have a suit, mm. coat and mm. a tie mm. and mm. a collar. Uh, anyway. It's I've not got just a quick story to share about that if we've
0: got time at the end. Yeah, so, go, yeah. go. No, at the no end. share it now. I oh, Just uh, coming back from overseas, we're sitting on the plane in London and uh, mm. it was super hot. It was uh, 32 degrees on the plane and they hadn't got Ooh. the air conditioning working and we're sitting there for nearly an hour. Oh, no. And the the stewards in their jackets and whatever, they were really oh. struggling with this heat, but they had to wear their mm. uniform because that's the, that's the standard. That's their yeah. dress code.
1: Mm. That's it. That's it. So it's not just the military requires certain dress standards. No. Many places in the world, even today. So we can relate this. We can relate this. So even in the New Testament, first century church, Paul reiterates time and again that the fact that we are totally corrupted and we can't get to heaven. On our own, he says this in Romans chapter seven. It's a fantastic chapter because he's talking about how the law is there. The law is good. The law is holy, just and good, but it's there as a standard for us to see how far we fall short. When we see the standard, we see how far we fall short. We come to Christ and we say, "Give us your righteousness." Mm. So God gives us the garment. So this is so applicable even to us today. Um, and Paul says, oh, "I see." This is in Romans seven eighteen. He says. I see or I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. I want to do what's right, but I just can't do it, he says. Mm. And thank God for Jesus later on. So even Paul, even Paul, as good as he was, is confronted by the futility of his own efforts to be good. And that's, I think, the whole purpose of this application for us today of about putting on or putting, being put on or having the garment that God Himself as the King of the banquet gives each one of us. So. John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, actually outlines this. So we've talked about how Jesus says it. We've talked about how Paul says it. And then John also says it as well. So this is in First John 1. You all remember First John 1, 9, where it says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I want to read the verses around that because that verses around that highlight our inadequacy. First John one eight it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if we get to the point where we say, I'm no longer sinful, mm. well, we're lying. We're lying. We're only fooling ourselves. John says he he was the closest disciple to Jesus. First John one ten says, if we say we have not sinned, you know, people say, I don't, I, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. The Bible says there is no good person. There's no good person. We've all sinned. It says we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But in between those, it says if we confess our sins. And like you said before, that takes humility. That takes humility. So we have to confess our sins, and we all need that spotless white garment from Jesus. Revelation 3, 5 and 18, as you alluded to earlier, talk about those who get given the garment. Mm-hmm. So who is Jesus speaking to today? Well, he's speaking to all of us. Through this first century audience, his words are clearly true for all time, and that includes you and me. And the meaning of the parable for us today is, even though we're still waiting for the fulfillment of the teaching, there are a few that haven't yet been fulfilled, and this is one of them. We are waiting just like they were waiting for that great wedding feast. If we ensure we are given the righteousness of Jesus, then we can be sure we can attend the wedding feast without any fear. Our own garments are of no use unless we're taking hold of the righteousness of Jesus as we strive to overcome those sinful natures. Only by Jesus' righteousness can we be clothed acceptably for the wedding feast, and we have to put on Christ to do it. If we don't put on Christ, well, we're not even going to make it there. So I bring you back to my opening illustration of dress standards. The only way I could measure up on my graduation day was to make sure I had the right clothes and I was ready to go. And it's the same for our entrance to heaven. To have the right to dine at that great supper of the Lamb, I must first now, while I have time... Put on Christ to be ready. Don't wait. Don't put it off like the religious leaders of Jesus' day. We have a warning with those stories, and we don't want to be condemned like they were because they kept resisting God. If you haven't done this today or would like to know more, please get in touch with us so we can help you on that journey.
3: Mm.
1: And that's what I have to share today.
0: And uh, I'll just add that um, we don't need to wait until we think we've got it all sorted out. Mm. We, we can come to him today. As we are. As we are. And we don't need to you know, get our house in order, so to speak, in order to go to Jesus. That's it. It's, uh, it's an open invitation to go as we are. Uh, right now so we his garments can... cover up ours yeah <laughs> absolutely um so thank you david i i love this parable it's uh there's mm. so much good teaching in there so yeah. um looking forward to what you've got coming up do you want to just give uh two sentences about what's happening there next week
1: Yep, next week we start a new series, seven programs. We talk about the sevens of Revelation, and we start with the seven churches. We discover why John was given seven messages to these particular churches
0: in Asia Minor of his day. Awesome. And next Wednesday when we're back on live, of course today um, is a live program and it is the 28th of uh, September. But next Wednesday we'll be live again with Donna Shepherd. She'll be joining us, so do join us then as well. FOUND6 is the code for today. Text that in. This is Home by Evan Craft.
5: I've travelled the world Trying to find a place That I could call I want to leave my trace A legacy, a melody That leads us back to you So I won't relent Until I'm home with you
2: I was lost in the dark Heard you call my name Dreams so far and gone Till you found my
5: to fail, you will catch my fall, when I'm overwhelmed, you remind my soul, you're my portion, you're my prize, everything I need, so, I will rise up,
3: you made your home.